Welcome back. Welcome back. We're in a series called In God We Trust. Say In God We Trust. Now say it like a question with the inflection up in the end, like In God We Trust? Do we really? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going through this thing and we're, we're coming into it. Let me, let me give you a, just a, a, a quick uh, FYI. Starting this Wednesday, we have a new group that's meeting. Uh, uh, Pastor John and me are leading this group called Being With, and it's really taking the uh, thoughts of Jesus and the activity of Jesus, and it's more discussion uh, generated around daily life, real life. And so if you are looking for something you know, to add or something to increase your discipleship, that kind of thing, it's really good. If you're new to faith, it's fantastic because it kind of gets you in some of those basic principles kind of things. And so I want to encourage you to come out Wednesday nights at 6.30. Give you a really quick recap on last week. I had some good news and some bad news. Anybody remember the good news? You're rich. Yeah, that's the good news. And if you're like, I'm not rich, go watch the sermon from last week. You are rich. You have rich people opportunities. I also gave you bad news last week. What was the bad news? You're rich. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is that you have rich people problems. And one of the big things out of the sermon last week was every blessing that we don't turn back into praise has the potential to turn into what? Pride. Every blessing we don't turn into praise has the potential to turn into pride. And God isn't against us having nice things. He's against nice things having us and having our hearts. Today I want to talk about trust with God and especially trust with God and money. Because we all trust something. Every single one of us, you trust something. The seat you're sitting in is proof that you trust that the engineer or the manufacturer or the designer created a seat that wouldn't fall to the ground once you sat on it. Like, we all trust something. And how we manage our money and how we manage our time shows us exactly who we trust. You show me your calendar, not for the future, but what you actually did in the past week. If you were to track every minute and every hour and every day, uh, it'll, it'll show what your priorities are, what you trust. Do the same thing with your money. If you show where every dollar was spent, and some of you are like, who actually tracks every dollar? You need to sign up for FPU if you don't understand the value of tracking your money and what's spent and where it, where it goes. Who actually tracks their money? Lots of people, especially the bill collectors. They track their money, and they track your money. They want it. Where we spend our money and our time it shows us whether we're God-honoring or not. And I want you to be God-honoring. Here's what this sermon is not. This sermon is not sell everything, give everything to the poor and to the churches and to the nonprofits and become Mother Teresa. I mean, if you're called to become Mother Teresa, go after that, okay, that's awesome for you. But Jesus told one person in the scriptures to sell everything. One person, say one person. It, you know, we read several verses last week about how God gave you blessings for your enjoyment. Christians, he gave you blessings and he gave you wealth and he gave you uh, all the rich. He gave everything to you so you could enjoy them, but not so that you would consume them all. But he only told one person in Matthew 19, one person, the rich young ruler, he told that guy to sell everything. But as we saw in last week's teaching, it's actually God's plan for you to enjoy his blessing. 
So here's, that's what this message isn't. This message isn't like shaming you for buying things or shaming you in any way. Here's what this message is. Every dollar we spend matters. So let's work hard to honor God with what we have. Could you repeat that with me? I think it's going to come up on the screen. Every dollar, is it, there we go. Repeat this with me. Every dollar we spend matters. Let's work hard to honor God with what we have. If you don't think every dollar you spend matters, raise your hand. I have got an opportunity for you to invest in some hungry children. They're mine. Every dollar you spend, it matters. Let's work hard to honor God with what we have. I've got two thoughts for you today. Two-point sermon. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a point short of most preachers today, okay? Two points. Here they are. You ready? I'm going to give them to you right up front. Here's the first point. Get out from under the lie that there's never enough. That's point number one. Point number two is this. Act your wage. These two points. Now, this first one's going to go by quick because I did a lot of setup on this first point last week because I want to spend most of the time on point number two today. So you're like getting a point and a half sermon. You're halfway as good in the, in, in the preacher today as most places, you know, a point and a half. But I don't want to skip point number one, so write this down. Get out from under the lie. There is never enough. Get out from under that lie. First Timothy 6. We went over this last week. There is this... There's this thing that I called the rich line, a very, a very articulate, artistic drawing that I found. I did myself. There's this idea of the rich line, and you know what it is? The idea is that if I make this amount of money, I'm going to make it. I'm, going to be, I'm, I'm finally going to be rich. But you know what happens? As soon as you make this much, you need a little bit more. You need a little bit more. You need a little bit more. And we have to get past the rich line thinking or we're going to live like we never have enough. We're, never, we're, we're going to live. When in reality, here's the thing. You have been blessed with rich people opportunities. Access to education. Access to health care. And you've been challenged with rich people problems. It's harder to rely on God if you think money will solve everything. So we've got to get past the rich line. This is the whole teaching from 1 Timothy 6. And every blessing that we don't turn into praise has the potential to turn into pride. God isn't against us having nice things. He's against things having us. So point number one, get out from under the lie that there's, there's never enough. And some of you were like, but, but my rich line is different than your rich line in comparison and all this kind of stuff. Okay, go watch last week's sermon. We, we went there hard last week. We got to get out from under the lie because we serve a God who on the cross said it is finished. And either it is finished or it is not. Jesus has provided all that we need. And we have the opportunity through the body and the blood of Christ, through the living for Christ, and by submitting ourselves to our Lord, we have the opportunity to live under the blessings of God in a new way. So point number one, we got to get out from under that lie. Point number two, and this is where I want to spend most of the time today, and it's going to be highly practical. Those of you with engineering minds or that love spreadsheets, you're going to think that I could have gone way further with this. Those of you who are not into spreadsheets, you're going to fight sleep because you can't stand practical stuff. You just want everything to be pretty and loud and emotional, okay? We're going to try and meet in the middle here, all right? There's going to be practical things that we can get a hold of from Scripture, all right? And we need to get a hold of them. So point number two, 
act your wage. Say that with me. Act your wage. Now say it to the person on the other side of the row and yell at them. Act your wage. Yeah, just condescend to them just like that in the name of Jesus. Well done. Weird. Okay. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. It's like we have a link or a chain or a tether to the things that we treasure and the desires of our heart. I was, I was, one time I was in a church and we actually had a keychain with a wood heart on one side and a dollar bill on one side and there was, it was on the same keychain and you couldn't separate them. Where you spend your money indicates what you're most passionate about. If you're like, I just spend my money on bills. Well, you, you are passionate about being served through companies. And you're like, I need more. Okay, well, you're passionate about that consumption. If you look at your checkbook and you look at the things that you spend your money on and you have 19 different subscriptions every month to media, Netflix, Hulu, FUBU, Trulu, I don't know, all of them, Google Play, Amazon Play, Alexa, turn off the lights. You know, somebody has got this playing in their house and their lights just went off. It's great. Amazon Prime, you know, all, if you've got 19 subscriptions you really enjoy being entertained. If you've got subscriptions not only to media, but to cologne and to clothes and to socks and to underwear, and you've got, you've got the boxes and the stuff coming in, you, that shows you what your treasures are. And your heart follows your money, and your money follows your heart. You can't separate them. This is the principle from Jesus. Where your money goes, your heart goes. Where your heart goes... Your money goes. It's why some people can spend lots and lots of money on a habit or on a extracurricular like boating or golf or cars. Where our hearts go, that's where the money goes. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer. Anytime I talk about money and I bring scripture and I preach about this stuff, there's there's this unsaid kind of thing that happens, not just with me, but any, any speaker, any preacher, and it's the idea that they've got it all figured out, and they're letting everybody else know what they should be doing. I want to completely eliminate that expectation for you today. In 2004, my lovely wife Shauna and I were visited by a guy named Jeff at our apartment in Concord. We lived in Concord at the Woodbrook Apartments. Nobody cares. We were visited. Thank you. We were visited by Jeff. You really don't. We were visited by Jeff, and Jeff was selling encyclopedias. And some of you have heard this story. I will tell this story every opportunity I can when I preach on money. Because this is, I would say, this is the dumbest purchase we've ever made. We actually bought encyclopedias in 2004, y'all. I got the receipt. There it is. And there's Jeff's number on the bottom. And I don't know if you can make out the price. The publisher's listed retail price was $2,495 for those encyclopedias. We didn't pay that because Jeff gave us a deal. 
We, we paid, I think it was $1,849, and Bubba, he, he financed that for us at 24.99%. Over six years, I think, is what the terms were. With a, with a penalty if you prepaid. It was a fantastic deal. It was dumb. I'll never forget, we were in our little two-bedroom apartment, and Jeff's there, and he's selling us these encyclopedias. The internet existed in 2004. Okay, it existed. I posted this on on social this morning. So uh, one of my friends posted something like, "I don't think the next generation will understand the value of encyclopedias like my generation." I'm like, "Bro, I'm as old as you, and you are on your own." <laughs> who, who you got encyclopedias in your house? Really? I don't even know that Goodwill has encyclopedias anymore. If they do, it's probably holding up the counter. You know, it's like phone books. You know. Yeah, you can't, yeah, $1,849, which if you did the math, I think we spend over three grand for those puppies with the financing. Now, I remember as clear as day, me and my wife, Sean, are going, you know what, Jeff, we need to talk about this for a minute. Can you give us a second? And we walked back to our bedroom, and I looked at her, I said, I feel really good about this. <laughs> and she says, I feel really good about this too. And I said, did you hear that we get two nights in Orlando at, a, at this timeshare thing for free? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, should we pray about this? It was like, yeah, well, quickly. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the blessings of God opening up for us. Gang, listen, there are dumb purchases that your pastor and his family, we have made. We don't buy encyclopedias. In it. That's the only time I've ever bought encyclopedias. But when it comes to spending money, I think the nearly 10-year-old classic song will quit. And again, anytime I talk about money, I'm going to bring this song up because it is a classic. It shows you the truth that some of us still buy into this day. Will you roll the song, please? Right there. Uh-huh. There's a cuss word there. We bleep that out. Okay? I got just enough to get off in this club. This is good stuff right here. Mr. Worldwide. All right, you can cut it. All right. Now, I don't know if you caught the great wisdom from the thinkers of our time, Dr. Pitbull and Neo, but allow me to retort. I knew my rent was going to be late about a week ago. I worked my off, cuss words, can't say those in church, but I still can't pay it though. I knew my rent was going to be late, I worked, I still can't pay it off my rent, but I got just enough money to get up in this club, have a good time before my time is up. Now, I don't know if before my time is up means before I get kicked out of my apartment or before I die. I don't, I don't know exactly what the context of those great writers are having that. Now, but I don't want to insult anybody here, but if you'll just let me pastor you for a moment. Will you let me just pastor you for just, just a minute? Pay your rent. Pay what you can. Talk to your landlord. Don't go to the club instead of paying your rent. Part of acting your wage is simply like adulting. And some of us, some of some of us. We really struggle with adulting because we're like, ah, I've had a hard week. I'm just going to make this purchase. And if I get kicked out of my apartment, you know, no, 
Some of, some of us do adulting very well, a little too well, and we don't know how to have any fun. And some of us buy encyclopedias. But here's a truth that applies to every single person. Every purchase you make is an investment. Every purchase you make is an investment. Think about it. Just think about it. From your latte to your power bill to your college loan to your retirement, every dollar you have is being invested in something. And if you're like, I just put it into bills, okay, those dollars are going into someone else's net worth. They're being invested in someone else's cash flow. Your latte that you buy is investing in that coffee shop's assets. But it's just a five, six dollar latte, I know. You know how much it costs to make that latte? Less than a buck. They're making incredible margins on that. This is like part of the like, like engineering spreadsheet stuff that we don't really like to talk about. But your latte is investing in the shop's assets. Now, I'm not against buying lattes. I love lattes. I'll buy one. But your power bill is being invested in adding to the power company's bottom line. And sure, you're, you're getting some benefit out of that. The latte is good. And we pay our power bill here at the church, thanks to the tithers. And this air conditioning is fantastic. How many are grateful for the air conditioning? Yeah. Like, we're, I'm, not, I'm not preaching against spending, but I am making a statement that every dollar you spend invests in something. Now, for an example, and we are going to get to more scripture here in a minute, okay? But I've got to set this up in our day and time. Let's look at something incredibly holy for Christians all across America. Let's look at an example from Chick-fil-A, okay? I know they are not open on Sunday. I know. But if you take a family of four to Chick-fil-A once a week and everybody gets combos, but everybody gets water because we're cutting spending, we're cheap, you're still spending 40 bucks a week. Because, you know, prices have, have gone up. And for a family of four, good luck getting out for less than 40 bucks a week. You know how much that adds up to in a year is $2,080. And over 10 years, that's $20,800 in Chick-fil-A. Here's my question to you. I do not hate Chick-fil-A. Give me that spicy sandwich. They put pimento and cheese on those bad boys now. I don't know if you know that. It's crazy. It's like they're trying to kill us. And we're just going to walk into it like a bunch of lemmings. It's just good. Give me the Polynesian sauce with the fries. That's my jam, okay? Are y'all like going, uh? What are are y'all going, oh, yes, okay. All right. Don't hate on the Polynesian. It's racist. Anyway, um, I'm an idiot. What, What if, what if, what if you took one meal a week at Chick fil A and you put it into an investment account, okay? $40 a week into an investment fund. $40 a week, same amount that you put into a Chick-fil-A. And and it it was a real investment fund, so you can't pull the money out immediately. But on average, it's got a very realistic 7.5% yield on it, meaning that you invest it, there's going to be a return. Now, you're investing $20,800 in 10 years. But if you put it in that fund, do you know how much you'd make? You would make $31,000, off of Chick-fil-A, 
We're talking real much. Some of y'all just looked at your spouse, you're like, Some of you are like Chick-fil-A, just, just, just by missing out on one Chick-fil-A meal a week. Now, let's talk about something a little bit more substantial. Just by rearranging some luxuries, we can cut $40 a week and we can invest it. And we can, like, that, like, that turns into a college fund. That, that turns into retirement money. That turns into something down the line. What if we took something really substantial, like a car payment or cable TV or some of those subscriptions, Some of those are a lot more than $40. Just from what we have right now, what would that turn into? And I want want to tell you, I love my Chick-fil-A meal, obviously. I love it. But you're investing in something. And after you down that last fry or the rest of that sweet tea or kale salad or whatever you healthy people get, I don't know. After you eat the last bite of that, it's done. It's done. Well, not done, but your enjoyment of it is done. And every purchase, every dollar is building somebody else's nest egg. And I want you to be smart with your money. If you're in debt up to your eyeballs, don't spend the rent money at the club. Be an adult. Be a mature follower of Jesus and make a plan to get out from under that pressure, out from under that debt. Sign up. We have a week left before this FPU class launches. Sign up. Go to the, go to the website. Go to the, go to the app and, and, and scan, scan that little QR code right now if you don't have the app. Scan it and sign up for FPU. We have scholarships available. There's no excuse. We have childcare available. There's no excuse not to do some work on this. But here's the thing. We can offer all of these things to the people in our church, but we can't make you do it. We can't make you show up. We can't make you care about the things that that Scripture promises you. No, No amount of preaching and great worship, no amount of Facebook posts will make you care if you don't care. Settle the, settle the issue that there's never enough, acting your wage, settle that issue today. You can do that. Now, so, so we're talking about act our wage. Here's the big truth from Scripture. Following Jesus means that every dollar we spend has purpose. Say this with me. Following Jesus means that every dollar that we spend has purpose. You're like, well, I don't follow Jesus. Well, okay, every dollar you spend still has a purpose. But if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what we believe. We believe that this isn't our money, that it's his. That's that's what we believe according to Scripture. Let's get to the depths of what Scripture is talking about here, this huge message about how everything is a gift from God. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. I want to read a story that Jesus told the people. It's a story about investment. You're like, where does it say in Scripture that everything belongs to God? Listen to the story. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It says the kingdom of heaven. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together, delegated responsibilities. To one servant, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third, 1000 Depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. So the first servant was given how much? Come on, louder. $5,000. And what did he do after the master left? 
He went to work, and what happened to the money? He doubled it. The second did the same. So the second servant was given 2000 He went to work, and what happened to the money? Doubled it. But the man with the single thousand dollars dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. So what did the third servant do? Dug it and buried it. After a long absence, the master of those servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on be my partner. The servant with the 2000 also showed that he had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, great work, you did your job well, from now on be my partner. The servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. You demand for the best and make no allowances forever. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cents. Incredible accounting. Put it in a safe place. Didn't spend it. Here's how the master replied. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew after, I was after for the best, why did you let, do less than the least? The least you could have done was to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten some interest. Take that guy's thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out of, on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. That seems harsh. This guy didn't spend the master's money. He didn't steal the master's money. He didn't squander the master's money. He hid it. He kept it safe. And in some translations of the Bible, maybe in the one that you're holding, the master says that's evil. The one that Jesus identifies as evil is the one who did nothing with the investment, who did nothing with the money. That tells me a lot about how God sees wealth and how God sees the blessings that he gives to us. I mean, come on, nobody stole the money from this guy. He, he, he was safe, and everybody likes safe, right? Safe, 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 safe. The two who worked and invested saw an increase, and the master moved them from servant to partner. The last one who buried the money the master held him in contempt. Here's the big lesson from Matthew 25 in this story. If my heart belongs to Jesus, then so does my money. Can you say that with me? If my heart belongs to Jesus, so does my money. And following Jesus is more about doing brave things rather than just playing it safe with the things that he's giving you. Following Jesus isn't about playing it safe. Following Jesus isn't about playing it stupid either. I mean, if, if somebody's trying to sell you a bunch of swamp land, landlocked in Florida as an investment, don't do it. Somebody's trying to sell you encyclopedias, trust me, don't do it. But he's not called you to just play it safe in life and to just eke out of life with a little bit in the black and nothing in the red. You know what Jesus has called you to do? He's, he's called you to take the blessings that he gives you and to treat it like it's his. Because he does more with money than what we can do with money. He owns it all anyway. That's what we believe. He owns it all anyway. There's this weird gold star concept that we've 
developed over the years that says this, if I can just make this part of my life better, then I can finally start serving Jesus. Like if I can finally just get rid of this habit, or if I can finally just stop going to this website, or if I can finally just stop eating that many carbs, then, then, I'm, going, then I'm going to be able to follow Jesus. And don't get me wrong, getting out of addiction takes a lot of bravery. Getting out of sin is a big deal. Not murdering someone is really important. Freedom from sin is the point of the gospel. Jesus died, rose from the dead, body and blood of Christ, to break the power of sin in our life. That's our starting point. We don't have to break it. Jesus breaks it. But what's the point of your life once you hear the good news? You don't have to... You don't have to fight sin. He's fought it. You have to submit your life to his rule and his reign. The point, the point of the gospel is so much larger than just saying no to sin. The point of the gospel is saying yes to the life that God has for you. And we can't say yes to a life of generosity and to a life of kingdom building in Christ Jesus. We can't say yes to things like the Hope Fund if we are still saying yes to the life that he has set us free from. Jesus said this, and we're going to get into this more next week. You can't serve both God and money. What about this abundant life? That's out of John 10. Jesus came to this earth and died to do more than get us out of addiction and out of sin. Freedom from sin has always been more about not sinning. Freedom from sin leads us to resurrection. And Christ leads us into that abundant life. Here's what John 10 10 says. I have come to give them life and life more abundant. Jesus came to give you a life that is way bigger And way more abundant than anything you can create on your own. Much less the bill collectors or the landlords. And here's the truth. I know lots of us are running out of money. I know lots of us are hurting and I want to be sensitive to that. But we cannot ignore the truth. God gives freedom. God makes us partners in his kingdom. Why would we ever make ourselves the slaves? Why would we ever make ourselves slaves to money and possessions? I want to show you a, a couple of ways of thinking. One way is very common, and one way is really what I want to encourage you to think about and to pray through. There's this way of looking at life that looks like this we get income and we treat it like it's God's blessing, right? We got a job, thank you, Jesus. We get income, thank you, Jesus. It's God's blessing, amen. Then we take expenses out of the income. The expenses pay for my needs and my wants. This is, this is, this is simple. And what do we get out of that? We get, at, we get profit. That's what's left over. That, that's what I consider my blessing. Like, okay, God provides that. That's God blessing me. And whatever's left after, after all the expenses, that's the blessing of God that I have left. Now, a lot of us live this way. I want to encourage you, I want to, encourage you to think about it this way. Let's, let's still look at income as being God's blessing because it is God's blessing. What if the expenses were God's blessing as well? 
What if we saw expenses not as something that we just have to take care of, but like these are God's blessings for me? It really puts a different light on some of our expenses. If we think of our expenses and we think about the things that we have to pay for as God's blessing. And some of y'all are like, I got child support to pay and that ain't God's blessing. It might be. It might be God's blessing someone else through you. It might be God, it might be God working on your heart. Some of you are like, I've got this to pay and this to pay. Here's the thing about the imagination of a follower of Jesus. He redeems everything. Romans 8, 28 says that he works all things for good. He, de- like, he doesn't cause bad things to happen just to show off. Bad things happen. That's called life. But he works those things in redeeming ways. That's what crucifixion and resurrection looks like. What if our expenses were God's blessings? And then the end result is not honor to me, are motivated by blessings to me, I'm working to honor God with that income and that expense. Because you know what happens through all of this? I'm blessed because I'm his child. I'm blessed because I'm his. I'm blessed because the master looks at me and says, well done, you took what I gave you and you added to it and you didn't treat this as your own where you would consume it or you would bury it because you're afraid of me. You took this and you invested it in your kingdom. None of it is mine, it's all his. So here's my question, what has God given to you? What can you do to quote, act your wage? Today, what steps can you take to get your income and your expenses in an equation like that where both of them belong to God. That is a very dramatic change from our capitalistic culture way of looking at money. This is not the American dream. This is the kingdom of God. And they are not the same. Oh, he's against the American dream. He's No, I'm... I'm just for the kingdom of God more than I am the American dream. I'm for the kingdom of God coming into this life and invading this life because I have seen miracles and healing and restoration. I have seen the power of God take something that looked dead and resurrect new life into it. I have seen marriages restored that were on the brink of collapse and ruin. I have seen people climb their way out of crippling debt and they are thriving in a way where they are blessing the world. They are blessing their community with the generous gifts of the kingdom of God. Why? So they could get more, so they could give more, so they could get more. No, that, that is not the motivation. The motivation is it's his. Whatever he trusts me with, I'm just going to be faithful. And he has never, ever let me down. I submit my life to him. Some of us can't honor God in that way because we really think that, that we own everything that we get. If I can encourage you to internalize this story from Matthew 25, that you are a servant. You are a servant of the Most High God, and everything that you get, everything that comes your way, every blessing 
that you receive belongs to God. Because if, if it doesn't, if we don't praise God for that and acknowledge God, you know what's going to happen. We're going to be filled with pride. And if I can encourage you to look at everything you have in that way, if we would actually do this, the world will be changed through Jesus in our lives. But if we live closed-fisted and we keep saying mine, We're going to hold on to exactly everything that we've got, including that hard heart, including that hard heart. I want to give you a couple of reports before we, we're going to, we're, we're just going to sing and have a moment of reflection here. I want, I want to talk to you about our hope fund. I mentioned earlier about how convoy of hope has been on the ground, is still on the ground in Maui and with Hurricane Adalia, and now with this Moroccan earthquake with over 1,300 dead. The Hope Fund doesn't, we don't get to do that stuff without submission to Christ. The next gen leaders in our church, the, the interns, I don't know if you all have met Chandler, he's one of our interns here. Like, the interns and the, and, the, and the expanding of what we're doing in the community through the VBS and through the, the uh, partnership with East Albemarle. We want to build on that, but we can't build on that unless we as a church are submitted to God. Our global missionaries, we, we want to keep funding. You know what? Costs are going up worldwide. We can't increase our funding to our missionaries without the giving of God's people. So I want to encourage you with something. When we talk about giving and we talk about hope fund and we talk about all the stuff that our church does, it's, it, it's on this line between what feels like a fundraiser and feels like, like an every week, come on, come on. Da -da. When in reality, I, I, would, I, I would want it to feel differently. I want it to feel like Look at what God did through you. Look at your obedience on display. Look at what the kingdom of God, look at how it's expanding in Latin America through those missionaries you watched earlier today. What I want you to hear is look at, look at how the kingdom of God is bringing healing through Convoy of Hope because you're a part of what's going on there. Look at, look at how God is transforming and, 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 and he's changing our relationships with the education system in our county. Look at, we got to baptize kids on, on, on school grounds this summer. Some of us have been praying for years, God, we need to put prayer back in schools. Okay, we got it. It's not institutionalized prayer. You know what it is? It's the kingdom of God walking into the marketplace and walking into the schools and bringing the light of Jesus everywhere we go. Let me tell you something. As long as there are Christians and people who are following Jesus involved in the school system, we have prayer in schools. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, administrators. As long as we have doctors and we have nurses and we have medical professionals that are, that, are, that are walking through the workplace in our county and in our state, we have prayers in our medical field. You can't stop the people of God from praying. 
You can't stop the people of God from looking across the land like Jesus looked over Jerusalem and, and, and tearing up and saying, oh God, what, what are you going to do through me? Oh God, how are, what, are, what, are, what are you going to do through the obedience? But here's the thing. We can't see with kingdom eyes if we don't have kingdom hearts. And every dollar you have has a purpose. Every expense that you make is a blessing of God to you. Everything that you receive is God's blessing. And every blessing that you don't turn into praise and submit to the master, it's going to turn into pride. Pride.